0: You're listening to a message from LifeWay Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Now, last week, we, we began this series of messages talking about being in a war and that this war is life and death and that most Christians... I would say most Christians don't realize that, that we're in a war. They leave the house, can I say, naked, <laughs> without their armor. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a wonder why we end up confused, confounded, and, and feeling like the enemy is taking advantage of, of us every day. Because we forget to put on our armor. And we're all included, guys. We're all included. That is something that we have to be taught as a disciple of Jesus as we're following him to daily put on our armor. Daily. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Not just a couple of pieces. Not just one piece. But the full armor of God. If you put on the full armor and you take the shield of faith, but you forget the sword of the spirit, then you don't have any offensive weapon. So, God has created this armor for us because we're in a war. Now we say things like Jesus defeated the enemy two thousand years ago and He rose, and we're seated with Him in heavenly places. And I think some of this, uh, some of these thoughts, kind of put people at ease and and puts them to rest, and they're sleeping. And they're thinking, well, if Jesus defeated the enemy, then there's nothing that I need to do. And we talk about the completed work of Christ. But he completed it, but then he authorized us. That's what we found out last week. He authorized us and deputized us and gave us the authority and delegate that delegated power and authority. And we're going to see through this series that, that, that power and authority are two different things. But Jesus gave us the power and the authority... To defeat the enemy every day. To stand up and to resist. These are scriptures that we must remember. That that God has called us to resist the devil. Not to give in. Not to bow the knee. But to resist him. While standing. And when we've done all to stand. Standing in that armor. Resisting the devil. And the devil will flee. When you resist him. And so... I believe that we're seeing today and in our generation and in our country, the works of the devil manifested like no other time. And so the Lord dropped this scripture in my heart for for us this morning. And men, I'm speaking to you, but women, you you play a big part. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. This, let me just kind of set this up. God is speaking to Joshua because Joshua was going to battle. Now, God promised this land flowing with milk and honey, but between where the children of Israel were standing and the promised land, there were giants, there were enemies. And God was preparing, as he did Moses, preparing Joshua to go into the land and face the enemies. In verse 5, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. strong. And be of good courage. courage. There's two different things there. Strength and courage. And from those Hebrew words, they mean differently. They're closely connected, but they mean different things. Um, but God is saying, be strong and of good courage. He says this four times. God says this four times in that one chapter, chapter one. Four times, be strong and of good courage. For to this people, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Notice, when when I started reading this and studying this, I thought the fathers didn't get it. The fathers didn't get it. The fathers died in the wilderness because they complained. They were stiff-necked and hard-hearted, and they complained against the Lord. Do we have to eat this manna every day? I mean, really? Okay, that just added another lap, (laughs) another year. Okay, their fathers didn't get it. And can I be bold enough to say that Moses didn't get it? Moses did not get the job done. Moses didn't get the job done. Now Moses was a great leader and he obeyed God up to a certain point. But he didn't get to go into the promised land because he disobeyed at the end. That's to say that we need to stay faithful, faithful till the end. To fully experience the full promises of God. So, here's, here's, here's a word from the Lord to you. Maybe your father never saw the total fulfillment of the promise of God. But God wants you to have all of his promises. Maybe your father didn't go into the promised land. But it's your turn now. And God is saying to you, be strong and of good courage. Guys, listen. I didn't have the best example as a father set before me. But I can stand here and say with all of my heart that my father loved me. And that he walked in all of that love that he knew. He, he, he received Jesus as his savior about three months before he died. And he died of cancer. At a young age, I, I, I think it was around 62. But that's young. And, and he loved me. He told me he loved me. Every night he tucked me in. My father. So I'm grateful for that. But my father didn't fully experience the promises of God. But those promises are still yes and amen to me. And every husband, every father, every man of God in this place, the promises of God are yes and amen for you. He wants you to be two things. To be strong and take good courage. To be strong and take courage. Being strong and taking courage is necessary to win against the enemy and possess the promises of God. This word strong or to be strong, this phrase, it means to become mighty and prevail. Listen, without Jesus, he said we can do nothing. But because Jesus went to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit, there was a spirit of might. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Power, power, love, and a sound mind. So God has given you what you need to be strong. A spirit of might. Become mighty and prevail. To take courage means to exhibit strength. Now, now that you're infused with power, let's exhibit some strength. Right? It does no good. Guys, you can relate to this. You go down to the fitness center. Gold's gym, anytime, you can name them off. The guys are down there pumping weights, making, you know, balloons out of their arms. It does no good if you're just going to go home, sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and watch TV. Why do you build those muscles if you're not going to use them? Right? So, being strong is one thing, but standing against the enemy is another thing. And listen, today you can be strong on the outside and be very weak on the inside. We've seen it over and over and over again. Guys that look tough, act tough, talk tough, and end up falling prey to the enemy. Why is that? Because we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need his word because his word is the only thing stronger than the attack of the enemy. Notice I said, or, or the scripture said, not I, but I just repeated what the Bible said four times in chapter one of Joshua that God said, be strong and courageous. But you look over in, in, in the middle of the battle in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 25, where Joshua says to them, those that are around him, Joshua ten twenty-five, he says, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage for thus the Lord will do to all of your enemies who fight against you. So four times God tells Joshua in the first chapter to be strong and courageous. Joshua in the middle of the battle is standing up telling those around him to be strong and courageous. So this morning God is telling you guys be strong and be courageous. But listen, tomorrow morning you're going to have to wake up and tell yourself be strong and courageous. And wives, I'm going to jump ahead to a point that I have prepared later. Wives, you need to tell your husband, your husband. the, those your sweetie pies, those husbands that you have, God's given you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. And Daniel 11.32 says that the people that know their God will what? Be strong and do exploits. Exploits. I think it's exploits. To raise children and still have hair at the end of their childhood, right? Without pulling all your hair out or all your mate's hair out, right? <laughs> it takes courage, guys, just to do the, the, the normal things of life. We're faced with such opposition all the time. All the time. You get a breath in one day and you're like, oh, wow, well, today uh, I, I can't remember if there was any major challenges But listen, you're normal if you face major challenges every day. That's why we need his strength and his courage. His strength and his courage outshines your strength and your courage every time. And so Joshua 1 talks about being strong and being courageous. And here's why we have to do it. Because we're living in a fatherless generation. Fatherlessness. ...is a word, and it means the state of having no father because he is dead or absent from the home. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this is the condition of what's going on in our nation. Not only in the nation, but also in the body of Christ. In case you don't know that half of the members of the body of Christ experience divorce. Now, whether that happened before they came to Christ or after, I don't know. But listen... The, the enemy doesn't care whether we wear a T-shirt that says, I follow Jesus or not. His tactics and his strategies are aimed against you and against me. And we, it's high time that we stand up and recognize that this nation has been in a crisis for years. And, and the enemy has a target on the head of every man. To take them out of the way or to, to cripple them to the point where they don't stand up. They don't pray, and they don't take their responsibility. And so here's some statistics. I know some of us are statistically minded. Forty-three percent of American children live apart from their fathers. That's over 30 million children. That's uh, half of all those children, half of all children in America will be fatherless at some point during childhood. Now, I pulled out these stats about four years ago, and it was only 20 million. Today, it's 30 million. Absent fathers, single-parent homes. Of the babies born last year, 41% were born to unwed mothers. The negative effects of fatherlessness, poverty, drug and alcohol abuse, physical and emotional health, problems educational achievement problems crime sexual activity and teen pregnancy the byproduct of these statistics are 85% of gang members came from a fatherless home 75% of teen pregnancies came as a result of or in that environment of a fatherless home 65% of suicides Came from a fatherless person. 75% of drug users came from fatherless homes. And the root can be traced back to rejection. Father wounds can only be healed by the healing that comes from the Heavenly Father. Right? And so, Through the word and by his spirit, we have the answer. And I believe that the church is the solution. But we can't do anything if we don't know about it. Right? So far too long do we become, far too often do we become comfortable in our little four walls with our ticket to heaven and we're patting each other on the back singing glory hallelujah. Right? When the world... Needs Jesus. And children without fathers need somebody to tell them that God loves them. And so it's time for us. It's time for us. Many churches are filled with people who have an orphan mentality. They've either been disconnected or rejected by their natural father. Or some of them don't even know who their natural father was. Like I said, father wounds can only only be healed... By the healing that comes from the heavenly father. Psalm 68 5 says. He is the father to the fatherless. And a protector of widows. God in his holy habitation. And so God through the body of Christ. Through us. And men of God. Listen if you had children. And they moved out in the house. It's time to start seeking. Uh, children. That, that, ha- that don't have the love of a father so that we can mentor them, so that we can love on them because they're all around us. Four out of every 10. Five out of every 10. So fathers who have children at home right now, I'm gonna give you 10 things. They're in the notes. You can pick them up, uh, turn to them on the internet. The scriptures are going To go with them, Um, and and again, this is not a, a, a sermon to say, "Hey, you need to do a better job." This is a sermon to say, "Be strong, and take courage, because the Lord your God is with you. He hasn't failed you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And He always gives us the victory over every enemy. Isn't that awesome? You are dads in the home right now. You are protector and provider. Think about that responsibility that you have to put on the armor every day, to put the devil in his place, and to guard and guide and govern your family. Guard, guide, and govern. It was the same commandment that God gave Adam in the garden. Guard, guide, and govern. And we can do that not by our strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because he shows us What we need to do. This devil, this enemy will come against every one of us. Will come in the garden, disguising himself, spewing out lies, trying to get at our children and our daughters to get them to buy the lie, to eat the fruit of the wrong tree, to disobey. And it's our job as men to recognize there's the enemy. He may have a target on me, but I've got bigger weapons because the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. Listen, when the husband, the father stands up in the house and says, this is the way we're going. I'm telling you peace comes and the power of God begins to manifest and exhibit itself in the family. Wives take notice. Children take notice. Dad's, Number one, be your child's first teacher. Be your child's first teacher. Proverbs twenty two, six says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're not and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Our responsibility is just to point them to their heavenly Father daily. Daily. I'm your earthly father, but listen, we both have a heavenly father, and he loves us more than I could ever love you. And you think in the mind of a child they can't understand that, but very quickly they, they begin to grasp that, grasp that concept and believe it. The most important contributions that a dad can make in a child's life is to point them to their heavenly father and how much he loves them. And then show them how to have this daily loving relationship with the Heavenly Father. Act out your faith. The most powerful thing that you can do is act out your faith in front of your kids. It will draw them to you like nothing else. Number two, dads exemplify a good life. Second Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3 says this. You are Our epistle written in our hearts and known and read by all men. Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh that is of the heart. As Dads, as you exemplify a good life and as you begin to follow Jesus and do what Jesus would do and say what Jesus would say and act like Jesus, you're writing that epistle, you're writing your story. You're leaving a legacy on the heart of your child. And the kids will never forget how dad acted in a, in a tough situation. Dad did the right thing. He could, he could have and probably should have come unglued, but he did the right thing. Do what Jesus would do. Exemplify a good life. Number three, provide for your family. First Timothy 5, 8 says... If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, then he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Listen, there's a a whole sermon in here. God is not trying to come down on anybody. He's trying to say, put your faith in me as your supplier, and I'll work through you to provide for your family. And we always limit the scripture, I I say always, we most of the time limit the scripture to things that are physical. But providing for your family, the physical needs of your family is important. But the spiritual things that we provide for our family are even more important. Because a kid, listen, a kid is happy with one or two toys. They don't need so many toys. They don't know what what to play with today. They don't need a mansion to where they can r- run around and get lost in some room that they've never ever been in. Listen, kids are, are so appreciated when they're connected with their father. Give me your time, and I'm not worried about the money. Right? How many kids... <laughs> let me ask this funny question. How many of you who've had kids, who've been dads, your kid, your three-year-old kid walks up to you and says, Hey, Dad, are we going to be able to pay the mortgage today or this month? When you gonna be when you gonna be buying, my, be buying my, my car? Like, I'm expecting at 16. Come on. No. Your child says, "Hey, daddy, come play ball with me." That's right. That's right. We're like, "Later, later. We gotta go. We, yeah, we gotta do some work. We got <laughs> somebody's gotta pay for that bat and ball, son." That's right. That's right. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Right. Yeah. Number four. Good dads discipline their children. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, He who spares his rod hates his son. Now the world says, uh, If you don't spank your child, Then, then uh, well, what does it say? Spare the rod and spoil the child. But the Bible's even more uh, harsh than that. If you don't discipline your children, Then you hate your children. God disciplines us. He uses his word. So it's a spiritual discipline, right? He uses his word. This is what the New Testament says. But he expects us as physical parents to administer discipline out of love. Out of love. And we're, we're to be careful. The, the, the last part of this verse says, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Take care of it right away. If you have to leave the building, leave the building. I remember one time uh, we were in Walmart and I needed to take Elizabeth out to have a little talk. Because she was becoming a little bit too loud in Walmart. She wanted her way and I was going to tell her that she wasn't going to have her way. In fact, I promised that she would get a spanking if she did what she did and she did it. And now we're on the way to the car and you can imagine. She's still, and about halfway to the car, she said, No, daddy, no, daddy, no, daddy, please, please don't spank me, daddy, please. And I'm like, Oh, Lord, help me. (laughs) I'm like, I really don't want to. You know, so we've had a visit to the car, the spanking, because of her attitude and she had broke like that, I mean, the spanking was like, Okay, we're done. Now, let's pray. Can you tell me what you did? (laughs) You understand? See, it's not God's will that he punish anybody. But he does want us to turn when we've done wrong. And so as as a human father, as a physical father, you're teaching your children at a young age to turn, to repent, to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, help me, help me. That's the heart of your child. Number five, dads spend time with their children. It's not just empty time. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 says this, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates, wow, teaching your kids the word of God. Not only the word of God, and we, we you know, there's value in sitting them down and helping them memorize scripture, but teaching them the, the concepts and the principles of the word. I remember times where, you know, Elizabeth and I, we established this uh, habit that we would uh, go to the lake. We were living in Oklahoma City, and we would go to the lake to watch the sun go down. And I thought it was convenient that we would find this ice cream place to get ice cream so that we can enjoy the ice cream as we're enjoying the sun going down. But making these teachable moments where we're enjoying ice cream. See, there's a lot of physical things, sensory things that are going on, on this in this moment. The sun, the ice cream, dad being good. We would sit down and I would say, honey, look, the sun. Goes down, look at the beautiful colors. God is a painter. Nobody can paint like this. Just teaching her from a young kid to appreciate the faithfulness of God. Every day the sun goes down right over there. Look, look, right over there. Just building in her the, the, this, the, the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. So, create these teachable moments. Be thoughtful about it. Number six, compassion is a dad characteristic. Now, we expect mothers, you know. We talk about mothers, how tender they are and how warm and loving and, oh, just to be hugged by mom. But listen, compassion is a dad characteristic. Think about the songs that we just sang this morning. He's a good, good father. He gives us the mercy and the grace. The mercy is, is it means that we don't get what we deserve. God does not give us what we deserve. Can I get a good amen there? God does not give you what you deserve. Aren't you glad? Come on now. That's a big point. But his grace gives us what we need and don't deserve, right? His mercy withholds those things that we should have that would kill us, right? But His grace gives us the compassion of the Lord. It's because of the compassion of the Lord. His mercies fail not. They're new every morning. It's because of His mercy and His grace and His compassion that we're not consumed, right? And He looks at us through the blood of Jesus. How, how compassionate is that? Dad, you need to look at your children through the blood of Jesus, I'm not saying don't discipline them when they need it. I'm saying do it in love, by love. If you need to count to 10 before you administer, then count to 10. If you need to count to 20. <laughs> if you need to go read a scripture. <laughs> but compassion is the goal. You want your child to know that you're compassionate. Psalm 103.13 points this out. Psalm 103, 13 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Number seven, put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) That's another way of saying, do what you say. James chapter one says, Don't be hearers of the word only. Don't just hear the word, but do the word. Listen, your children are hearing your words. I'll get you this by Friday. I'll take you here and do this. And they're expecting, they're they're, they're building a heart and a life of faith on your very words. And so as you're true to the word of God, be true to your own word. Number eight, don't provoke your children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children or don't cause them to be angry. Don't frustrate them and anger them and be hard on them. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. When you tell them something to do, don't just tell them. Show them how you want them to do it. Help them. Right? Train them. Training is far more uh, productive and effective than just go clean your room. Make a game out of it. Go in the room. Help them clean the room. Until it becomes this fun effort. Anybody love to clean? Just You just love to clean? Some, a couple of people. Not very many people, but listen. Why? Ask this question. Why do you not like to clean? Probably somebody said it's, it's, it's bad. Why is cleaning bad? No. Heav- is heaven clean? Yes, it is. Just a thought. <laughs> Number nine. Dads. Dads, godly dads, never give up on their kids. Think about the prodigal, the prodigal son. The prodigal son, Luke 15, verses 20 through 24. This father never gave up hope. So in verse 20 it says, he got up and went to his father, the prodigal son. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Think about the dynamics of what's going on in this very moment. It's like the little kid that before you can get out to the car says, oh, daddy, please, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please don't spank me. The son knew that he was wrong. Verse, verse 22 says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Wow. Quick to forgive. Quick to restore. Quick. Why, Why was he quick to restore? Because he had hope that his son would turn. Guys, never give up on your children. I'm speaking to older ones right now. Never give up on your children. Never give up on your children because somehow some supernatural connection between your heart and your child's heart. I've seen it happen over and over through the years in pastoring. A man who's on his deathbed will call his son, whisper in his ear, please forgive me, I'm sorry. Restored relationships at the very last moment. Never give up on your children. And and, and sons, never give up on your father. You may have never known the love of your father, but listen, God is dealing with their heart all the way up till their last breath. God is dealing with their heart. God is dealing with hearts. Compassion, the love and compassion of God restores relationships in an instant of time. In an instant of time. So we should be filled with hope for restoration. Number 10, dads pray for the children. Good dads pray for the children. First Chronicles twenty nine nineteen. It says, and and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands. This is a prayer that Solomon had, or David had for Solomon. Here's David's prayer for Solomon. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands and statutes and decrees and to do everything to build the, the palatial structure for which I've provided. And so here's David not being able to build the temple, but he's praying that Solomon would obey, would obey. And as, as fathers, we pray for our children that they would obey. And then we show them obedience to the father by our actions. So those are the 10 things for the guys. Wives, here's, here's two important things. Number one, pray for your husband. Pray for your husband. God put him in that place. And when you said I do, standing up before God, there was a responsibility that came on him as a father. So pray for your husband because he needs God's help. And God knows how to father very well. And then number two, affirm him verbally in his role as a father. Affirm him verbally in his role as a father. Catch him doing good dad things. And at that moment say, way to go. That's awesome. You're a great dad. You're a great dad. You can do it. I've got faith in you. More than that, God has faith in you. Right? Because it's a tough role. It's a tough role. And I only had one. And she's still alive and she's still serving God. What a testimony. I thank God every day. Listen, there are times you guys don't know this and I I don't know that I've even shared this publicly. But there's times I'm up here worshiping. And then in the middle of me worshiping my heavenly father, he tells me to stop and watch my daughter worship him. And I'm telling you, it will melt me in the floor Because I see her heart to worship. Wow. When you see your child's heart to worship God, it just does something to you. It just melts you in the floor. It it completes the circle, guys. It completes that circle. Because there's nothing more that I want my daughter to do but worship God. Just worship God. Just learn to worship God and submit yourself to him. and Pour out your heart to him. Amen. Listen, a couple more things and then we're going to close. I'm so encouraged by the spirit of fatherhood in this church. And I'm talking about our young guys. I'm talking about Carson. I'm talking about Michael. I'm talking about the ones that that see these young men that need a father figure and a big brother figure in their life. And they they don't come to me and say, hey, pastor, should I take these guys out and buy them clothes? They just go and do it. They spend time with them. They teach them things. They have them up here all the time. They're up here all the time. Working and building and cleaning and whatever they're doing. Listen. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Carson. It's awesome. we got to do more. Jay. Jay and Bob. Jay and Bob work with the guys at the high school that need to know that God loves them. The Five Star Academy guys. Thank you, guys. For just seeing a need and knowing that they need a father. They need somebody to speak the word into their life and show them the love of God. Listen, we don't have to have special classes on how to do that. You just love people. You just make way for them. You just open your heart to the love of God in you. And God will show you. He will show you how to be creative and love people who need love. And so as the church, here's the last Uh, instructions for the church, I'll just say. Instructions. I'm instructing as a spiritual father to our church. In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And Jesus quoted this in Luke chapter 1 and verse 16. Jesus quoted this and there's that phrase in there that turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That is my prayer for us as a church because we're living in a fatherless generation where children need to know the love of a father. And we have the solution. The solution is the love of God that's been shed abroad in our heart. Romans 5.5. And as we reach out that's when the power in the presence of God comes on us to do extraordinary things and love the unlovable and father the orphans this is what it means to love orphans to recognize who needs the love of God and give them something that they need a word a look and a touch every child that comes in this building should be loved on by an adult. That is my prayer. That is my vision. And if we're doing that, we're gonna see so many children. We we we're like the little old lady that lived in the shoe. Say I had so many kids, she didn't know what to do. <laughs> because children run to love, they flock to a church that loves them. But listen, guys, it takes time for you to quit talking to your friends just for a moment. Get down on your knees, look them in the eye, give them a hug and say, I love you, Jesus loves you. Two things. I'm here for you, I love you, and Jesus loves you. Right? Think about the difference you make. As an adult, you don't have to be a man. But just as an adult, if you love on children, because we're living in a fatherless generation, it's important. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? (laughs) last point guys in your fatherhood experience I'm telling you you may not have faith in yourself and you might have you know seen all the things that you haven't done that you wanted to do with your kids and you may be focused on the wrong things but I'm telling you God is telling you this morning to be strong and take courage Because he's with you. God has faith in you. To be the best father that your child needs. He has faith in you. And the father of fathers is with you and in you. To give you that extra grace. And to show you by his spirit. How to do the things that you don't even know how to do. And that your father never showed you how to do. He believes in you. He trusts you with his children. Wow. That's awesome. So this fatherhood is a, is a great responsibility, but it's also a great privilege. And so all the fathers, I just want you to stand up. If you're a stepfather, father, grandfather, anybody that has that role, just stand up. I want to pray for you right now. I want to thank God. God. there's somebody in here that's married and wants to be a father, stand up. Father, I thank you for what you're doing and the men of our church. Lord, I'm going to take this personal. That it's time for the men of Lifeway to stand up and love with the love of God. And to take upon ourselves this extra grace to look past ourselves to love our children the way that you love us. To love our community and those children that are around us that are fatherless. Thank you. That like David's mighty men, we will, we will know the season that we're living in. And what we as the church of God must do. As the body of Christ, we must do for our community. To love those who know no love of the Father. I pray your anointing as a father on every man, as a grandfather. I thank you, Lord, that we still have impact and influence on the families that you have trusted us with. Lord, we depend on you. We don't depend on our skills. We don't depend on our abilities, our natural abilities. But we do depend on the person of the Holy Spirit to empower us. To make a difference in the lives of our children and all of the children around us. I thank you, Father, for using these men in mighty ways. Like in Daniel, we will be strong and do exploits for you, Father. Thank you for giving us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast, and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.